Hello, welcome to Vitech Talks, the podcast. I'm Steve Brandt of Vitech, and this is where we discuss the trends and pressing issues, and certainly the important events shaping the group benefits and retirement industries. With the experts, leaders, and yes, even characters that make our industry what it is. This is a fast, fun way to gain insights and opinions on the topics we all care about. And I'm sure it'll be the best 15 minutes you can spend to keep yourself informed. And I promise, entertained. Well, all right. And welcome again to Vitech Talks, the podcast. Today, we're talking about making a deeper connection. Uh, emotionally, making a deeper emotional connection uh, in today's digital world. And we have the esteemed Craig Weber joining us to talk us through a study he did in his role at Cognizant uh, on that topic exactly. And I think you're going to find the findings uh, that have come out of that study are very, very interesting. Welcome, Craig. Glad you could make it. Quick intro on Craig for those who don't know, which is not many people don't know who Craig is. Craig Weber is the insurance practice leader at Cognizant. He's responsible for life benefits and retirement solutions within the firm's insurance solutions group. He has 30 years in the financial services industry, and he's a recognized expert and thought leader on a variety of technology topics and is passionate about the industry being recognized for the good that it does for society. And I, I couldn't concur more than that uh, thought there, Craig. Again, welcome. You know, let's jump right into it. Uh, you did this uh, study, which I saw your high-level report uh, at our users conference uh, in Washington, D.C. back in August. And thank you for joining and doing that. And was fascinated uh, by what, what, had, what had come out uh, of that report. Uh, really studying something that I am passionate about in, you know, making an emotional connection with customers. Um, being in sales my whole career, I've always felt that emotion is what gets people to move. It gets people to do things. Right. Uh, whether it's, you know, move their home across country uh, for love or for a job uh, or whether it's, uh, you know, buying things. And we, we all know we go to the grocery store hungry, that hunger is an emotion and you're going to buy more food, right? So, you know, as simple as that, right? Emotion gets people to do things, makes them to, gets them to make decisions. And when in, in commerce, it gets them to purchase. Um, and so you did a whole study on that. And I thought it was amazing. Some of the things that uh, you found uh, in that study um, that really apply in, in what is now a digital world, not a physical world. Um, so, Tell us a little bit about that study, you know, how you ended up doing that, uh, a little bit about it, and then we'll, we'll kind of get, uh, get into some of, the, some of the details. Sure. So the, the, the background on this is that um, this is a passion topic for me. This is something that has been stuck in my head for a good chunk of my career. Uh, I'm not an apologist for uh, insurance as an industry. Um, exactly. But I do feel like we do not get recognized for the great work that we do, the essential service that we provide. And it strikes strikes me as odd that, that insurers 
can take a sort of an adversarial role with their customers, and that's how customers perceive it anyway. And I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's helpful. Um, I, I think insurers do great work that they should get recognized for. And so that got me thinking, why is that? What what it, what is what is it about the insurance relationship that doesn't produce connection other than you know anger and frustration at times? And so. Um, you know, there's there's probably short of anger and frustration. There's also ambivalence, and none of those things are good for us. <laughs> that doesn't oh, doesn't build a long term relationship. It's not you know it doesn't help profits. It doesn't help um, you know kind of cement the the relationship. Um, the the other background to this is that just looking at what social scientists have discovered fairly recently, I think um, at least in terms of commercial application. It's that emotions are the stickiest part of, of memories. That's really what we remember. We don't really remember exactly what happened, you know, even a day ago, but we remember how we felt about it. And that feeling persists. So I think there may be an opportunity for insurers to mine that a little bit and say, okay, let's make you feel something. And that will help what consumers remember about the experience and, and how they respond to it later. So so true right and, and you know i mean the insurance world especially the life insurance world right i mean years ago it was you know all face to face and we all heard the story about the life insurance salesperson right T taking the husband or the father outside and then look back into the window into their family sitting there saying what happens if you're not here right i mean eliciting that just guttural emotion and uh, and, and kind of drawing on that. And I think in today's digital world, right, that's more difficult, right? What's, what we're now in an era where um, you, all insurance companies, all financial services companies, and we're in the group insurance space, is even more difficult, are, are trying to do these things in the digital sphere. And so how do you get that emotion? What is, what is the emotional connection? What was so interesting to me was your findings was it's not the same stuff. You know, it's, more geared to the digital realm. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so it, it, you're you're right. Um, when when we started this, we started looking around. We thought, okay, what is an emotional sort of angle that would appeal to people? And so we started the, the whole question set. And, and by the way, if I should just give a, a real quick overview of the survey, and it's actually two surveys: one for life, one for group uh, benefits products. Um, both very similar results. And so this is a consumer survey. It's an online survey. We asked a series of questions. We looked at the distribution of, of respondents across age and gender and education and income um, and experience with insurance. And it's a very well-rounded look at consumers. Okay, so I, I'm comfortable that we've, we've kind of got the right view here. Um, but we thought, it'll have to be emotional hooks that would really be, that would really stand out here. Like, you know, you, you mentioned this idea of protecting families and, and lives and financial futures and things like that. And, and of course, those are important concepts, but a lot of the time, um, I think people are still kind of stuck or there seems to be a resonance between uh, how efficient the the carrier is and how fast they can deliver service and how convenient things are those correlate very strongly to emotional satisfaction so 
I think what the aha for me is that maybe a lot of in, uh, consumers today of all ages, literally across age groups, are looking for the same thing. They're looking for speed and convenience and you know omni-channel and all the things that that maybe we as an industry have been pursuing for efficiency reasons, but really we should be pursuing them for emotional connection as well, because there's, there's no, if you don't do those things right, if you don't give a great service experience that's quick and that meets expectations, forget about the rest of it, right? That's the very good starting point. Yeah, it, and that's really what jumped out to me. It was, it was not the typical traditional emotional connections that we're, we're all so used to looking for. It was more about uh, the, the service level. Uh, that got people jazzed, that made them, that makes them connect and, and makes them buy. And I think that's, that's really uh, what, what, what amazed me as well. Yeah. The, the, the other, uh, you know, the interesting thing too is that um, people, they, they, they told us they don't feel connection and that convenience seems to be somewhat of a, a work in, in progress. Um, and so we, we sort of think that's, you know, that's, that's an interesting finding on its own. Um, but of the people who are tending to use digital tools, we do see those tools emerging. So for example, you, a lot of companies are using text to communicate to, to their insurers and policy owners. Um, a lot, a lot are using email. There's certainly a de-emphasis on old school tools like mail, <laughs> like snail mail. Um, but what was interesting in the research is that people who tended to use new tools and be more digital actually rated their insurers higher in NPS in that promoter score and also had higher emotional satisfaction with them. So this, this idea of the digital consumer, what we call the, the, you know, the digital leader versus the digital laggards, the digital leaders are actually a little more connected to their insurers. This is a totally counterintuitive result. Um, it says, get things in the digital realm and instead of them feeling less connection, they actually feel more. And that, that's really critically important, I think. Yeah, that is, that is amazing to me. Well, talk about what, what you saw as the, the biggest themes as far as this, the specific areas that drove the highest emotional connection. Well, the ones, or to the opposite of that, the ones that, uh, or, or maybe follow on, the ones that people are doing well and the ones that people, the companies are doing poorly. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we asked, we created what this thing called the Emotional Connection Index. And right. we looked at, at four buckets. Um, and the, the buckets are, are caring, insightful, trustworthy, and responsive. And so if you, if you were trying to emotionally connect, you might think you would start with, with these with these items, um, and uh, to to some degree, I think I think you can make make some progress around around these things. And so, if you kind of disaggregate these buckets, I'll just look at one as an example. Uh, under trustworthy, the carrier focuses on my well-being, never steers me wrong, is refreshingly honest, advises me like I'm family. So these are separate questions we were asking of our respondents. We asked them to rate them on a five-point scale. And the idea of what we expected to see was for people who felt emotionally connected, these items would all score high and that they, these would correlate to net promoter score and, and a, a separate question around emotional connection. 
but again, what we found instead was uh, there, there's more of a correlation around convenience and speed than there is around these kind of emotional hooks. So I, I would, I, my read of that is that we're still sort of in this um, blocking and tackling mode of getting omni-channel right and getting speed right. Um, and we are not yet at the point where we can make someone feel like as a carrier, I'm I'm refreshingly honest with you, or I, I advise you like I'm family. Those are sort of aspirational. They're probably a layer out from where we are as an industry. And again, if you just do focused on, on a very small subset of things, it would be still be speed and convenience um, and delivering on expectations. Those are the things that that are sort of fundamental to the relationship. Do you think we'll do you think we'll ever get there if if speed and convenience are so important? If everybody's just flying through these transactions and getting what they want at the end, I, I guess the more times they do that, they get satisfaction, and that builds trustworthiness. I guess that's kind of what you're saying, but it's it's more yeah. a byproduct of the service than it is almost a feeling. I mean, almost yeah, an experience. I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. It, it it is a little bit vexing, but if you think about it, it also makes some sense, um, particularly for life insurers, different different uh, sort of problem set in other lines of business. But for life and group benefits, the amount of interactions is maybe not sufficient in its native mode. So mm. right, how many times a year does your life insurer talk to you? Right. And and when they do, what are they talking about? It's probably they're probably talking about premiums that are due or right. a missed payment or your credit card information is no longer. I mean, something yeah. that is probably well, not well, that. Well, you, you should buy more now. <laughs> yes, or for heaven's sake, buy more. Yes, maybe <laughs> your, your your premium is overdue and you need to buy more. Uh, so that's not a great place to start from, right? And I, I think the relationship just kind of feels transactional yeah. and, and and frankly uninspired. Now you mentioned the agent, which I think is really also interesting. The agent can inject a lot of that personality and familiarity and connection. If there is an agent, that that helps. But you know, on the group benefits side, guess what? A lot of that is is coming through the employer. It has to do with enrollment. Right. It's not driven by a personal relationship in in most cases, uh, and even on the on the pure life side, it's agents are important. About ninety plus percent of business still touches an agent, but in terms of those service transactions, not that many do. So, I, right. I would say one one obvious aha for me there is: hey, amp up the volume on non transactional interactions. Find a reason to talk to your clients that doesn't involve asking for money or asking them to buy something. Right. Right. Now that makes absolute sense. Now, um, you you were at ITC last week, right? Two weeks ago? Yes, I was. Were you presenting this uh, these findings there as well? I, I wasn't, but I, I was talking about this with a lot of people. And of yeah. course, the, the underlying theme, like how do you deliver connection? And I think you, you sort of touched on this in your intro. The world As the world becomes more digital, you know, you think, gee, maybe that that actually reduces the ability to get connected because people are looking for automation and they know they're talking to a computer and they know that text didn't come from a human. But I think actually the, the opposite is true. Um, assuming that you have great data and command over your data, 
great levels of automation, you can actually design emotionally connected experiences using technology. And of course, that's that's the only way to do it at scale. <laughs> you can't you can't assign an agent to call every customer every day. That that's not practical. Be be great for connection, bad bad for your financials. But technology is stepping in in interesting ways, even even with AI, which I think is a little bit maligned for kind of that artificial feeling that you get when AI delivers a service experience if it does it poorly. I think we're we're making good progress on making that feel more connected, even if the customer knows it's not a human. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, the AI would have been the, my next question for sure. I could see how that would have applicability, and then. Heck, we're going into the metaverse here before before long. I mean, I just was at dinner the other night with a gentleman from Accenture who said they they distributed sixty thousand Oculus glasses to their staff for training purposes. So, uh, you know, the applicability in the metaverse to maybe enhance the connection, the emotional connection, maybe kind of have a more personal feel. Maybe right. Yeah, it feel, feels like like certainly a, some possibility there. And and I, I kind of think about the metaverse the same way as I think about this, the other aspects of emotional connection is changing the feeling, it's changing what you think is happening. So you get a piece of paper in the mail, what do you do with it? I, if you're me, you throw it out. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't even open it. I, I think I threw away an ATM card the other day, uh, an, a replacement ATM card. <laughs> not good um but that's where we are it's like yeah i don't i don't i don't particularly like reading my mail but maybe some kind of an immersive experience that with a little bit of a little bit of fun to it a little bit of game to it feels a little different maybe it's a little bit you know uh, off-putting at first but if you can get used to that that might be something that's a little more memorable and engaging yeah interesting stuff we could take it a lot of different places craig I really thank you for joining us here today. This is a fascinating conversation, and and I think what makes it most fascinating is it's still evolving, right? We're in the kind of the middle of this evolution, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes. And and you know, very fortunate, feel fortunate to be a part of that evolution, as I'm sure you do. So yeah. Really appreciate you uh, stopping by and and uh, enlightening us all once again. Hey, you hit on it on it early. This is a topic I love. So uh, anytime uh, you want to have me back, I'm happy to, to show up. You got it. You can bet on it for sure. Have a great day, Craig. Take care. Thank you, Craig Weber. That was a wonderful conversation. Can't wait to listen to this episode because of that conversation. It was uh, so powerful. Now it's time for the Brant Rant. And uh, this time of year, it's just so fitting to talk about something that I really love about this time of year. Not everybody loves it. We're talking pumpkin, all things pumpkin as we move into the fall. I'm a New Englander, so the fall is very important to us uh, here in in, uh, in New England. Uh, and we are, have no shortage of pump, pumpkins around this year. Pumpkin patches are in full bloom. And, you know, look, if you love it, you love going to the grocery store, you love pumpkin pies and pumpkin cakes and pumpkin coffees and pumpkin cookies and pumpkin soup and pumpkin candies, even pumpkin beer and even pumpkin cocktails. So whatever you want, you can get it pumpkin flavored. Of course, if you're not so partial to pumpkins, you might bristle every time you walk into a grocery store these days. Not to mention 
drive by someone's house who's got a jack-o'-lantern or two or three or four or just plain old pumpkins lying around. Um, it's a, pardon the pun, a cornucopia of pumpkins this time of year. So how do you feel about pumpkins? Give it some thought. Let us know. Because we're taking a pumpkin pole. <laughs> That's good. <laughs>